Hello, Parkview. Welcome to another episode of the Parkview Group's podcast. This is Pastor Thomas, and uh, this episode is for the week of April 17th through 23rd. And of course, my goal each week is to inform and guide group members and train group leaders at Parkview to make whole disciples of Jesus. And so this week, we're learning from Acts 28, 1 through 31. That is right. We are at the end of the book of Acts. It's been a wonderful, roughly year-long series. Um, So we're going to wrap that up today. And during our training segment, really, I mean, this episode is going to be all about reviewing the book of Acts. So... Um, that's going to, going to roll right into the, the training segment. So I'm really going to basically read the passage today, give a couple of brief comments, but really I just want to ask you, what have we learned from our time, our significant investment, the significant investment you have made uh, as a group leader or group member, whoever's listening in the book of Acts. So that's what we're going to do. So, uh, and let's remember why we're here. Community groups make whole disciples by cultivating an environment of relational safety, where the spiritual initiative of the group leads to the growth of each member. Let's get going. All right, a couple things to update you on this week. Uh, We have Elder Budget Forums coming up April 23rd and 30th. So if you are a regular attender or member, um, you are welcome to come ask questions about the budget, which will be sent to you. Uh, Well, probably by the time you're listening to this, um, a draft of the budget, I guess I should say, the budget proposal and you can come ask questions about different items on there. And this is one of the ways that you can, uh, you know, influence the way the church is led as a member um, because we'll vote on that budget on June, whatever the date is of the congregational meeting in June. So, but those forums, April 23rd and 30th uh, in the afternoon, I believe 2 p.m., those are both going to be held at Central Campus. So uh, it's also a place where you can meet new elder candidates, which we have a couple of this year. And if you want to get to know them, of course, that's another way that members uh, help lead the church is by voting in or not voting in elder candidates. So uh, the two that are put forward, worthy men, but that's up to you as a member to investigate. So elder budget forums, April 23rd and 30th. Secondly, I know I have mentioned it before here, but this summer in our summer session of groups, we're going to be studying Gentle and Lowly, a book written by Dane Ortland, a pastor in Naperville, Illinois, that we have some fun connections with, especially through Wade. Uh, So Gentle and Lowly, the Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. And this week, so Wednesday on our training podcast, uh, Wade and I sat down with Dane and we're going to share that podcast uh, interview with you this week. Um, so it'd be a great way if you want to get your group excited about studying that book together. If you're listening as a group member, uh, we basically asked Dane, why is this worth our time this summer and what is it all about? So uh, if you want to get excited about that, go for it and uh, you can catch that episode on Wednesday. All right, let's keep moving. All right. Let's get through this passage, get to this passage, I should say, should say in our guide segment. Let's get the big picture, navigating speed bumps. And well, to be honest, we're mostly just going to read it because we're going to spend some time just talking about the book of Acts as a whole. So I won't overpromise. But Acts 28 verses 1 through 31. Let me read it for you. I'll stop just a few times to point some things out. So here's how it begins. After we were brought safely through, we learned that the island was called Malta. I'll stop there. Now, remember, Paul has just gone through his sea trial, uh, a terrible shipwreck at sea and all the storms and they're blown across the, all the, you know, Mediterranean world. Um, but they come through safely and they end up on this Island called now we know Malta. 
says the native people showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Uh, They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune came to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now, you see their response there is uh, in some ways similar. If you remember when Paul went to Lystra and Derby, and there was a, they went there and the people there decided that he, they were gods. Um, so it's not a totally unknown phenomenon. But you notice, especially at least in my version and I, in a couple others I checked, it says, though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live there in verse 4. And you see that justice is uppercase. Justice has not allowed him to live. Um, it'd be natural for us to read that sentence and think, oh, these people, these villagers mean um, justice as in the general principle of justice, which is how we would probably would normally read it. But the reason it's uppercase is because uh, we know that they would understand this phrase, this word justice, not just to refer to a principle, but to one of the gods. Uh, justice, uppercase, personified as a goddess. So they're saying, clearly Paul was guilty and this sea you know, disaster was meant to kill him um, and it didn't. And so the goddess decided to finish the job by sending the snake to kill Paul. Um, but when he isn't killed, they change their minds and decide that he is a god. Uh, Now, in the neighborhood of that place, there were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed." So another sort of fortuitous turn where Paul, even though he's been shipwrecked, even though seemingly everything has gone wrong, God's provision and protection are still covering him. Ministry is still there. Uh, They're still, they're telling people about Jesus. The Spirit's power is at work and it's just incredible. Moving on. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. I'll pause there. Now, these twin gods would have been known to Luke's readers to be the twin gods of Castor and Pollux. Of course, we would not call them big G gods, but idols, little g gods. Um, Castor and Pollux, uh, and they had their place in the sort of Greek-Roman pantheon of gods. They were known to be those who protected your fortune on sea journeys. And I have to think that you know, why, why would, this is another one of those moments where we go, man, there were so many details in every one of these stories that Luke includes in the, in the book of Acts that he could have included, but he often doesn't. And yet here he is telling us for some reason why uh, there is this figurehead on the ship. And uh, in my mind, it seems like maybe the most likely option is that Luke probably thought it was funny <laughs> That these two, you know, here we are having made it through the storm, having made it through, you know, all of Paul's trials. And then we go to get on the ship and it's like, what a joke. 
here are these, t- these two pieces of wood on the front of the ship are going to protect us from the storm. Ha, ha, ha. Do you know what we've gone through? It's just sort of funny. But anyway, uh, they put in at Syracuse, and we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Putioli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. That's a fascinating uh, thing to learn, by the way, um, that the Christian movement has moved, continued to move beyond uh, where it began. We we don't know where these these brothers that they encountered. Of course, brothers here would refer not just to men, but to men and women. There's there's a little church in Putioli. Never heard of it. Probably wouldn't have known of it outside of the Book of Acts. But there they are. The Christian movement is just continuing to expand. But anyway, they stay there with them for seven days. Great. And by the way, there's a number of times in this chapter and in the previous chapter where we see Paul is living somewhere, you know, not in a prison. And we must wonder, you know, Paul is still in the custody of Rome. He's being taken as prisoner to Caesar. And yet he's being allowed to stay in these private homes and visit with these people. And he has this remarkable level of freedom um, and it's partly because he has, you remember, he sort of has the favor of the centurion that's given to guard him. Um, but it's it's almost certain that he was being accompanied this whole time by guards who would have made sure that he wasn't escaping and that kind of thing. Um, but it says, there we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome, which is a wonderful, very short sentence <laughs> saying, and th- that's how we got to Rome. That it was that easy, right? And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. Big sigh of relief. Big, deep breath for Paul. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing wrong against our people or the customs of our fathers, Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal him, heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Now, this is this is sort of Paul's final, um, I guess you'd call this a defense. I think I earlier in an earlier episode said the last defense was before Agrippa and Festus, which I guess in a certain sense that's not true because uh, this is not Paul, you know, he's not on trial here. So 
it's not really a defense, but yet it kind of is. He's he's defending the the Christian cause before these people, not himself. Um, and so we have another example of how he explains that. He clearly shows that uh, he understands his imprisonment to be because of Jesus, because of the resurrection, and specifically. He sees himself and he sees the Christian movement as the logical extension, the logical continuation of the salvation of Israel, not as, as they called it, a sect. Um, so then we wrap up. And, and by the way, I hope you noticed too, he quotes, I think it's Isaiah 9 there. Um, you know, these people, you know, go and speak to these people, but they won't listen, you know, lest they see with their, their ear, eyes and hear with their ears and turn um, which is uh, a, a passage that Jesus himself quotes uh, in the parable. I believe it's a parable of the sower. Um, and so he's there again in the way of Jesus continuing. Uh, but let me read these last two verses in the book of Acts. It says this, He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So we're left at the end of, book of, at the, of the book of Acts. Paul uh, under house arrest, basically, in Rome. You see there it says he lived there at his own expense, which would be the typical way. They, you know, It wasn't like prison where the state paid for it or something. Um, he welcomed all who came to him. Of course, that w- that's because he couldn't go to them. He was under house arrest, and he proclaimed the kingdom of God. And so even, even though he was in chains, we know the gospel itself was not bound, and Paul's con- ministry continued. He continued to write letters from Rome in prison, um, the most maybe poignant of them being Second Timothy, where he realizes that he will be uh, executed. And so, I wanna, I'm gonna, I won't even play the sound. Should I? Maybe I'll do it just for a second, just so we get excited. Oh, it's the training segment. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but I want to basically take that time. Uh, and if you're here and you're you normally stop listening at this point, I want to continue. You know. It, urge you to continue group leaders, group members. And I just want to help you just kind of reflect on our time in the book of Acts. That's what uh, the discussion questions this week are going to be focused on is reflecting on the whole book of Acts. We've now, like I said, we've sunk a huge investment as a church and you as individuals of that church have, have put a ton of time into learning from this book. So let's ask ourselves, what have we learned? Take sort of an honest assessment. Um, I've been following up with group leaders this week and just just asking them this question. I've been asking, what kind of fruit have you seen in your lives from the book of Acts? What have you, what has changed? What has the Lord done in your soul, in your life? In what is he how has he changed your thinking? How has he changed your affections, your heart? How has he changed your life, your habits, your the outward obvious signs that something has changed. Um, that's the question I want you to sit with as we prepare to hear this sermon on Sunday and prepare to discuss it with your group whenever you discuss it in this next week. How has Acts changed you? Could you point to something? Several things, I hope. Now, um, the Lord does a lot of his good work in our hearts through his spirit slowly and patiently over time. And yet, at the same time, I want to say, it would be it would it would be a feel a bit disappointing to get to the end of this huge investment, this time in this book, and not really be able to say, ah, you know, or or to get to the point and say, I'm not sure I could. Now, that's a point where we should probably just sit back and evaluate. You know, look at what's what went well 
as you heard this series preached, as you learned from it in community group, as you, you know, all that stuff that, where you devoted your time to it and say, did I make the best use of it? Um, I'm guessing almost all of us would, would be able to find places where you'd say, yes, I think it went really well. I'm encouraged. The Lord was clearly at work in me and through me. And probably some areas where we'd say, yeah, you know, I don't know if I saw the maximum sort of output of what the Lord has, has put. He's given us 28 chapters here. <laughs> And so it, it would feel like a, it'd have to feel like a disappointment if there weren't at least a handful of things you could say, this, this changed in my life because of the Lord's investment in me in these last, in this last year. So to give you some sort of tracks to run on, to think on, whatever, I basically have just gone through and, and put a bunch of, done a little bit of research, I guess is probably the honest way to say it, to look at what are the themes of Acts, to give you some, some thoughts uh, to reflect on as you prepare to hear the sermon and to, and to discuss, to, to answer that question. How has Acts changed me? And see if anything kind of rings a bell and makes you think, okay? So I'm just going to read down. It's a list of literally 15 themes in the book of Acts. So I just want to put this in your mind, on your heart, as you prepare. Here's number one, themes in the book of Acts. Number one, the witness is worldwide. Judea, Samaria, the end of the earth. What have you learned about God's gospel going worldwide? Number two, the witness is inclusive of all kinds of people, Jews, Gentiles, Samaritans, the physically handicapped, pagan mountain people, a prominent merchant woman, a jailer and his family, Greek philosophers, governors, and kings. The witness is inclusive of all kinds of people. Has your life changed to reflect this truth? Number three, the witness to Jesus is guided by the providence of God, who preserves his witness for their testimony through all sorts of threats, murderous plots, angry mobs, storms at sea, and constant trials before authorities, to name only a few. Now, this has been especially um, especially pertinent in these last eight chapters of the book of Acts. And I here's the question. If I were to put this in a question form, it would sound like this. Have you seen yourself becoming more courageous, more confident in the providence of God in these last 28 weeks? Or it's been more than that, last 50 weeks or something. Have you become a more courageous person because of the assurances that we've been given through Paul's example and through God's words in Acts? By the way, this is, this is from, I believe, from the ESV study Bible, the more comprehensive sort of study notes. It's the themes and background for the book of Acts. So, so you know where I'm getting this. Number four, faithful witnesses must be prepared to suffer and even die for their testimony to Christ. Has this truth come home to your heart? Faithful witnesses must be prepared to suffer even to die for their testimony to Christ. Number five, the power behind our witness is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is granted to all believers, male and female, to all, whom he empowers for witness. The Spirit guides us in special inspiration is behind, the Spirit himself is behind every advance in the Christian mission. The power behind our witness is the Holy Spirit. Has your life changed to reflect this truth? Have you gone deeper into this truth? Number six, in the early days, the witness was often accompanied by signs and wonders. The wonders being the miracles worked by the apostles, which served as signs pointing to the truth of the gospel. Miracles usually opened a door for witness. 
have you learned this? Have you reflected on this? Number seven, effective witness demands the unity of the church. Now, this one's interesting. Not one I had thought of. I actually, like I said, I've been asking group leaders this question. What fruit have you seen in your lives from the, you know, in your people, in your group members? And a couple of people mentioned, you know, I've noticed that people have really committed themselves to community. They, I see them at church. They're worshiping with our, you know, with, with our people. They're more faithful in, in coming to group, and they seem just to really have pressed in. And they see that as a, as a fruit of this very, you know, number seven here. Effective witness demands the unity of the church. Number eight, a key component of the witness is the resurrection of Jesus. Um, the author here writes, the Jew, for the Jews, the resurrection d- demonstrated that Jesus was the promised Messiah. For the Gentiles, it pointed to his role as judge and established their need to repent. Have you seen that the resurrection is crucial to the Christian life? Crucial for Christian mission. Number nine, acceptance of the message borne by the witnesses depends both on human response and on the divine sovereignty behind the response. I'm really, I'm really tempted to give a bunch of, here's what this would look like, but I just want to give space for, for God to work in your heart, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> number 10, number 10. The Old Testament scriptures point to the death and resurrection of Christ, and the prophecies point to Christ and to his followers and must be fulfilled. You can think of all the citations of the Old Testament in the book of Acts and the sermons of Acts in particular that illustrate this point, the cohesive testimony of the Bible about Jesus, his people, and his destiny. Is this something you have learned? How have you seen this come home to your heart in the last year? Number 11, the witness to the gospel calls for a response. Most speeches in Acts end with some sort of invitation. Is your life reflecting the fact that the gospel calls not just for a mental assent, not just for a check mark next to it, can sign my name under it, but for a real response. Number 12, the response called for is repentance of one's sins in the name of Christ, which brings forgiveness of sins. Major theme in Acts. Has your life reflected this? Have you grown in this? And you can hear as I'm saying this, you know, what I'm asking is not, can you now agree with all of these facts? Could you spit them back at me, you know? But have you gone deep into them? Have you been molded by them? Have you seen real affection change, heart change, and mind change? Number 13, witnesses must always maintain integrity before the world. Witnesses must always maintain integrity before the world. In Acts, this is illustrated by the many remarks from the authorities about the Christians giving no evidence of any wrongdoing. Particularly, we think of Paul in his trial. Um, If you're familiar with the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter is another main theme there, um, that if we're we're brought before uh, authorities, it should not be because of our wrongdoing, but because of the witness of Christ. Witnesses must always maintain integrity before the world. We do not make it big as a church or as individual Christians, by using worldly means to accomplish kingdom ends. Wrong. Number 14. Christian witnesses continue the ministry that Christ began. And this is this is illustrated throughout Acts with the many parallels between the experiences of the apostles. Think of Paul particularly in this last section. Um, 
we're meant to see Paul as the first or most significant initial example, um, or at least one of them, of the way that it will go for disciples. We will bear witness to the truth of Christ. We will see mixed results. We will we will face the world's trials, um, and yet God's purposes will continue to extend through us. Um, and by the way, and this is all, remember in Acts 1, we are his witnesses throughout Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. That's for us too. Do you see yourself as continuing the ministry that Christ began? We are his hands and feet, his body, right? And finally, number 15, faithful faithful witnesses bring great results. Sorry, let me say that accurately. Faithful witness brings great results. So it says, Acts is all about the victory of the Christian gospel. The witness brings results among both Jews and Gentiles. And of course, the book ends on this note with note with Paul bearing his faithful witness to all who come to him in Rome. We should expect if we are faithful to share Christ with others, of course, we see mixed response in many cases, including our chapter today. Some of the Jews respond well, some reject him. And yet in the end, uh, when people hear the good news of Christ, God's spirit is at work, and we shouldn't be surprised when people repent of their sins and turn to Jesus, because God is really at work. Faithful witness brings great results. Has your life reflected this truth in in head, hands, and heart in this past year? So that's what uh, our discussion questions are going to focus on this week. I hope you come ready to discuss, having given this some thought, given this some prayer, asking the Lord to reveal what's gone well. Um, it's probably a chance for you to think, you know, is is there a way I could adjust the way that I learn? Uh, we're doing all we can, of course, to to do better and better at this, to give you plenty of opportunities to learn from the Word with this podcast, with the, the group guide, uh, the reflection questions, of course, putting the sermons out there, to give you every chance to to wring out every last drop of goodness uh, that the Lord has for us from each of these series that we're preaching through. Um, if you have any other ideas, by the way, we'd love to hear them and think through them. But uh, we just just continue to urge you to do so. And if, if you find places where you say, you know, I could probably grow in that, um, this is the, the right moment to reflect and say, okay, you know, we're going to be in a short four-week series on our definition of a whole disciple next, but then in, in uh, the summer we're going to be in James. So it's probably a good time for you to, to recommit yourself to how, how you learn from God's word and through, through this church. So let me pray for you. That is, like I said, that'll, that'll be our training segment for the day, uh, for the week. And I will, uh, next week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different because we'll be in the definition of a whole disciple series. Uh, we're going to be uh, learning about each segment of that definition as we go through the podcast. Uh, with a bunch, a whole suite of resources that we put together for you, videos that go with podcasts, and there will be a little booklet that everyone will get. We all really want to be on the same page, what we're talking about. When we say make disciples, what are we, what are we saying? What is a disciple? We've got we to be on the same page about that to all be pulling in the same direction as a church. Um, so the podcast will look a little bit different next week. Uh, with that, let me pray with you always invite you to join me in prayer, and I try to pray in a way that makes that easy uh, as we move on into whatever the Lord has for us the rest of this day. Heavenly Father, we pray for our people in our groups, and if you're a group member, say, I pray for my fellow group members, that you would help us to reflect rightly on the word of Acts. Please help us to 
learn about you, to learn about ourselves, to learn the ways that we can grow. Give us true insight into how we have changed. By your spirit, encourage us in what is encourageable in us. Uh, Correct us in the ways that we need to grow and give us hope. Help us to encourage those around us to do the same. Help us to be faithful to them in prayer, faithful to them in friendship, and most of all, help us to be faithful to you as we approach your word. We pray all this in Christ's name for his glory. Amen. All right. I'll talk to you next week.